All right, Shabbos say good morning. Let us begin. Beginning by thanking our sponsors to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Adar Aleph, especially on this day of Purim Katan. So we thank Paul and Kathy Pollock for dedicating all the Sherman Drushos this month. In memory of Paul's grandparents. Zechariah ben Zechariah and Dina Bas Rabdov, Zichorlam Levracha, and to thank Art and Shani Miller for dedicating all the Sherman Drushos this month in memory of Art's brother, Richard Miller, Ruvain ben Betzalel, the Rachel, Zichorn Levrach. We open in the merit of our Talmud Torah. All of the Neshamas will have an Aliyah and the families in Nechama. So with that, let us begin. We have some beautiful, beautiful Gemara ahead of us today. Today's daf is daf Vav 6. We are picking up on daf Hem Beis 5b at the two dots. Um, right at where we left off yesterday. So it's 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 21 lines up from the bottom. In the middle of the, uh, in the, middle of the wide line. So the Gemara over here quotes the Pasek from Yermio. Beautiful, moving Pasek. Vidamoa Tidma. So literally, again, literal translation is Damoa Dima. So Dama is a lotion of tears. So Damoa Tidma, there have been tears of tears, and tear has come down from my eyes because my, my flock or the, the flock of God has been taken captive. So ask the Gimar, we'll say it's really beautiful. Dama Tidma, Vateret Ene Dima, Kinishpa Eder Hashem, Amar Lazar. Shlosha Dimaos Halalu Lama. Why three tears? Right? When you look at the Pasik, there's a total of three tears. Why three tears? Achas al Mikdash Rishon, the Achas al Mikdashini, the Achas al Yisrael Shagalamim Koman. One tear was for the first base Hamikdash, one tear was for the second base Hamikdash, and one tear was for Cloud Yisrael, who have been exiled from their place. So very moving. One by Yisrishon, one by Yisheni, one for Kalal Yisrael. Ve'ikad da'amri. Others say, Achas al-Bittal Torah. No, one of the tears was for Bittal Torah. So it could very well be that according to the second approach, it's one tear for first base Hamikdash, one tear for second base Hamikdash, third tear for Bittal Torah, for the negation of the study of Torah. So the Gimar says, so I will say the first approach, so remember, interesting, everybody's agreeing there's three tears, right? Again, when you look at the Pasek, the word tear is mentioned three times. So first approach, one tear for the first base Hamikdash, one tear for the second base Hamikdash, one tear for Kalal Yisrael. Second approach, second approach, one tear for base Hamikdash, one tier first base Hamikdash, second base Hamikdash, third tier for Bittal Torah. For Bittal Torah. So says the Gemara, according to the first opinion, it makes sense. Because Lashon of the Pasuk is Kinishba Eder Hashem. Right? The, the wording in the Pasuk is, for the flock of God has been taken captive. So it makes sense that the third tier is for Klal Yisrael. But according to the second approach, it says that the third tier is for Bittal Torah. What does it mean, Kinishba Eder Hashem? To which the Gemara says, Kevan Shagali Yisranim Koman that once Klal Yisrael was exiled, once Klal Yisrael was exiled, there is no greater Bittal Torah than that. And I was about to say, it's, it's a very profound Gemara on two levels. So first of all, let's explain this last piece. So the Gemara says, what's the trauma of Galus? I was say, this is an incredible idea. Kinishba Eder Hashem means that the, the flock of God has been taken captive. Galus, exile, diaspora. What's the ultimate trauma of exile, of diaspora? It's an inability to fully focus on Ruchnius. It's an inability, remember, the, the greatest trauma of, of Golos is what it does to our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's what it means when it says that the third tier is for Bittal Torah. Bittal Torah doesn't just mean, you know, I could be learning, but I'm doing something else, or I'm supposed to be learning, and I'm not paying attention. Bittal Torah itself represents the inability or the negation of focus on ruchnius, on spirituality. So the second opinion says, what's the greatest ramification of galus? It's the inability to fully focus on spirituality as we are meant to do. But I will say, how incredible is it that, how incredible is it that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sheds a tear for Bittal Torah. It's quite, quite amazing that, I understand the Cheshbarach cries for the destruction of the first base Hamikdash. I understand the cries for the destruction of the second base Hamikdash. 
But he also when he sees a Jew who could be engaging in spirituality, when he sees a Jew who could be engaging in Torah, a Jew who could be furthering his spiritual development, but does not do so, HaKadosh Baruch Hu cries. We also think about this, a parent could relate to this. When do you cry most for your child, right? In those moments where you see what your child could have been had he or she applied himself just a bit more, right? When my child fails, we all fail. We all fail. But when I see that, ah, you know, had you just pushed yourself a little more, right? had you just applied yourself a little bit more, had you just had a bit more self-confidence, had you just put a little bit more koach in what you could have accomplished, what you could have been, that's bittel Torah. That's from the eyes of Chesh Baruch Hu. Baruch Hu says, ah, had they just, Chesh Baruch Hu cries for bittel Torah as well. So along the same lines, this is such a beautiful gemar. There are three people for whom HaKadosh Baruch Hu cries every day. Who are they? For someone who could have learned Torah, but does not do so. Right? That's what Baruch Hu cries for. Someone who is unable to learn Torah, but yet finds the ability to do so. And for a leader who exerts himself arrogantly over the tzibor. Chalash Baruch Hu cries for these three people. So we'll say, let's just spend a moment focusing on this. So one in three are a lot more understandable. Right? So we'll say, so that Chalash Baruch Hu cries for someone who could have learned Torah, but does not learn Torah. What does that represent? Lost opportunities. Chalash Baruch Hu cries over when he sees his children having lost opportunities. So a person could learn. A person could learn. And I will say, by the way, means so many things. It could mean someone who could learn but doesn't learn at all. Someone who could learn more but sells themselves short. Right? So when HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees his children and he sees that they have lost opportunities, they're letting opportunities slip, you know, go through their fingers. What is it? Slip, slip, through, slip through their fingers. HaKadosh Baruch Hu cries for that. that. That's lost opportunities. What's number three? Number three is the parnes, the leader who exerts himself arrogantly. Same idea, lost opportunity. A person has a position of leadership and has the opportunity to positively impact people, to lift people up, but instead uses his leadership as a way to bolster his ego, right? As a way to feed his arrogance. That's misgai al It doesn't necessarily mean he's doing anything bad. It just means that he's misusing his leadership. You could be doing so much, you could be lifting so many people up, and all of us are leaders in our own rights. So a person uses his position of leadership to feed his ego, not to go ahead and lead the tzibor. Chalish Baruch cries once again, lost opportunity. So one in three are lost opportunities. What about the middle one? This is why we started at 5.45, right? What about the middle one? So I'll say, so the middle one, remember again, who's that? That's the individual who doesn't have the, who, the lashon is, shef shalasavot, a person who can't learn, but finds the opportunity to learn. So I'll say, this one doesn't seem to fit, right? What, how, how do you look at this case? This looks great. So it could be, in this case, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is crying what? Crying what? Tears of joy. So maybe they're not all three the same, right? So in one, a guy who could have learned but doesn't learn, those are the tears of lost opportunity. Leader who exerts himself arrogantly over the tzibor, lost opportunity. But guy number two, a guy who couldn't learn, right? But finds the time to learn, those are tears of joy. The problem with that is it doesn't, it doesn't seem to fit, right? In other words, the Gemara is grouping all three of them together. And even so, tears of a lost opportunity, tears of joy, tears of lost opportunity sound strange. Perhaps what the Gemara is saying is like this. See, I will say, who is this guy? Who, who is this person? A person who is unable to learn Torah, but goes in and does it. They will say, what does it mean he's unable to learn Torah? So I will say, maybe the Pashat Pshat in this is like this. This is a guy who tells himself he can't do things. This is a person who tells himself, I can't do this. I can't do things. And he goes through life telling himself that he cannot do things. So he also told himself, I can't learn Torah. No, Torah is not to me. I can't learn Torah. And then something amazing happens, which is, which is, he learns Torah. He learns Torah. And he shows himself, he shows himself that's something that he thought he could not do. He actually has the ability to do. But and that's incredible. But I can Baruch Hu cries to a person like that also. Because how many other things in life 
did you convince yourself that you can't do also? How many other things did you tell yourself that are impossible for you, but yet you never summoned up the courage to go ahead and try it? is a person who convinced himself that he can't do things. He decided he can't learn Torah either, but he found the courage to learn, realizing that he can do it. So he finally realized that things that he told himself are impossible are actually possible. But never how many other things over the course of the journey of life have you lost out on? So it turns out that all three tiers of HaKadosh Baruch Hu are tears of lost opportunities. For the person who says that he does, for the person who has time to learn but doesn't learn, lost opportunity. For the Pyrenees, for the leader who uses his leadership to lord over other people, lost opportunity. Instead of building people up, you're pushing, you're building yourself up. And number three, the person who told himself that he's unable to learn and he learns, it's wonderful you came around in this particular opportunity. But how many other things in life have you convinced yourself that you can't do? How many other lost opportunities now have you let slip through your finger? It turns out that HaKadosh Baruch Hu cries like regular parents cry also when they see their children losing out on opportunities for personalistic growth and advancement in life. Such an incredible Gemara. Rebbe, Rebbe was holding a Sefer Kinnis and he was reading it. Kimat when he got to the following Pasuk, Hishlich Mishamayim Aretz, so he got to the Pasuk that described Kral Yisrael's descent, that literally again Hashem took Kral Yisrael, they were standing so high, and he threw them down to the ground, Nafal Minyadeh, and the Sefer Kinnis fell out of his hand, Amr Meigra Ram Labira Amikta, oh, that which was so high fell to so low. Rev say so again, so literally again, he felt the experience of Christ from that. He was holding the Sefer. The Sefer was so high, the Sefer fell to the ground. Very much representative of the fall of Cloud Israel as well. Rabbi Rabbi Chia, Havaka Shakli, Ba'azli Barakabos, an incredible Gimara. Rabbi Rabbi Chia were traveling together. Kimatulahu Masa, they came to a particular city. Amri, Ikot, Surah Mirabanan Hacha, Nezov in a Kabbalape. So I will say, listen to this. So Rabbi and Rabbi Chia are traveling. They came to a particular city. And ultimately, again, when they came to the city, so they said, is there a Talmud Chacham in this city? If there's a Talmud Chacham in the city, we should visit him, right? To just pay respect to the Chacham of the city. So they asked one of the townspeople, and the townspeople, and the townsmen, the townspeople, the townsperson responded. He said, There is a Talmud Chacham here. He's blind. He's blind, blind Talmud Chacham. Maranai will say is, is a euphemism. Right? Maranai is a you know, luminescent sight, right? He sees very well. So that's, uh, okay, so it's, it's lo, lo, called Lashon Sagi Nahar. So ultimately, uh, blind, blind Talmud Chacham. I'm the Rebbe Chiel Rebbe. So Rebbe Chiel said, Rebbe, listen. Tiv at, why don't you stay here? Remember again, Rebbe was the Nasi. So Rebbe, you stay here. You stay here. Lo tizalzal benesiuscha. Ezel ana va'akbil ape. So Rabbi Chia says to Rabbi, Rabbi, you stay here, right? You don't have to make the journey into the city. In other words, what Rabbi Chia was, what was concerned about was, you know, who is this guy, right? A, a blind Tamut Chacham, how much of a Tamut Chacham can he be if he was blind? So Rabbi, Rabbi Chia felt, you know what, Rabbi, it's not appropriate for you to start taking this detour. I'll take the detour. I'll represent. You stay here. So, so the Gemara says... No, but Rabbi insisted, and he joined Rabbi Chia to meet the blind Talmud Chacham. So they both went to meet the blind Talmud Chacham. Listen to how beautiful this is. So the blind Talmud Chacham said to Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar, You came to see someone who is seen but cannot see. To go ahead and see the countenance of the one who sees but cannot be seen. Of course, a reference to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the blind Talmud Chacham gave them a beautiful bracha. You came to see the one who is seen but cannot see. May you be Hashem to be seen by the or to see the one who can see but is not seen. So, so Amr Lehi, so Rabbi says to Rabbi Chia after they got this bracha, Eko hashta manasan Right? Had I listened to you, you would have prevented me from getting this beautiful bracha. Incredible. So they said to him, tell me, how do you, they said to this blind, this, by the way, this blind Hamad Chacham remains unnamed in the story. So they said to him, tell me, tell me, 
From where did you? From where do you know this? Now know what Rashi says. Menalacha shekalkach gidola hakbalas panim. They both say, obviously, what's happening over here was as follows. The blind Talmud Chacham gave them a bracha because he saw that Rabbi Navichia went out of their way to come and to see him. So they said to the blind Talmud Chacham, from where do you know that coming to see a Talmud Chacham carries such great weight? Right? From where, from where do you know that this carries such great bracha? So listen to this. So he said to them, Sorry, sorry. I heard it in the Shev Rabbi Yaakov. What happened to Shev Rabbi Yaakov? Rabbi Yaakov ish chit chitya hava makbil Sorry, Rabbi Yaakov ish kfar chitaye hava makbil apay dirabe koyoma. Rabbi Yaakov, who was a man from the village of Chitye, he used to go ahead and he was makabel his Rebbe. Right, he used to go ahead and see his Rebbe each and every day. Okay. So Kikash. Now, ultimately, Rabbi Yaakov gets old. Apparently, Rabbi Yaakov was older than his Rebbe. He was older than his Rebbe. Amarle mar mar. So his Rebbe said, Rabbi Yaakov, it's not necessary. You don't have to come to see me every single day. So Amarle, Rabbi Yaakov said, Mi zuter do you take lightly that which it says in the Pasik? Vayechi od lanetzach. So I'll say over here, the Gemara is quoting from the Pasik from Tilim. Vayechi od lanetzach lo yira hashachas. That literally, again, he who will live forever will not see destruction. Ki yira chachamim yamusu. So literally, what I'll say means he will see the chachamim and will die. Now, what does that mean? So the way he died it was as follows. Someone who sees Chachamim in their death. In other words, you have the opportunity to visit a kever of a Chacham. That's a big school. So visiting the righteous when they're dead, ultimately again is a schos. All the more so what? When you visit the righteous when they are alive. So, say, so therefore, again, this old man, this apparently this blind Talmud Chacham, learned this lesson from Rabbi Yaakov. And ultimately conveyed it to Rabbi and Rabbi Chia, giving them a bracha for coming to visit him. So beautiful. Rav Idi Avod Rabbi Yaakov Bar Idi Havaragal Dava Azul Tlasa Yarchi Bar Chabos is an incredible story also. So Rav Idi, the father of Rabbi Yaakov, Havaragal Dava Azul Tlasa Yarchi Bar the Chad Yoma Bebei Rav. Boss, listen to this. He lived a very far distance away from the yeshiva of Rav. So here's what he used to do he would travel three months. Three months in order to be able to spend one day in yeshiva. Right? He would travel three months to get one day in the yeshiva. And everyone will say, what would happen afterwards? He would then have to turn around. Now, if you look at Rashi, Rashi, last Rashi in the Daf, Havaragil, Mahalik Shlosha Chadashim Hayami Beso Lebeis Madrish, then Osemi Beso Achar Pesach, Velome Yom Echad, Vichoser Lebeso Lesameches Ishto Bechaga Sukkus. Listen to this. So after Pesach, he would travel three months to get to the yeshiva of Rav. He'd get there one day. Then he'd have to turn around and go back home in order to make it home for what? For Sukkis. For Sukkis. So he would travel a total of six months, three months to yeshiva, one, month in, one day in yeshiva, and then turn back. So say, listen to this. The students of the yeshiva made fun of him. They called him the guy who spent one day in yeshiva. Now the truth is, we all know a lot of guys like that, right? The guy, right? The guy who spent one day in yeshiva. But again, but ultimately, Rav Idi, Rav Idi did it because again, I will say, it's such a fascinating thing. He needed to spend one day in the yeshiva of Rav. So six, so literally again, six months of travel, three months there, one day in yeshiva, one day back. But the Talmud made fun of him. So Chalosh Daite, he became very upset. So Korea Nafshe Schok Lerehu Ehya. He called, he said about himself the Pasik. He said about himself the Pasik that literally again he has become a joke, a joke to his friends. Don't punish the rabbi. See, I will say, when you disparage a Tamut Chacham, person Chasashom disparages Tamut Chacham, a person Chasashom goes ahead and makes a Tamut Chacham feel bad, that's a very serious transgression. So Rabbi Yochanan was actually concerned for the other members of the base Medrash. 
And he says, therefore, he says to Rav Edi, don't get upset. Don't get upset, right? Because if you get upset, ultimately, again, your fellow members of the base Medrash will suffer the consequences. So we'll say, listen to this. So, Nafak Rabbi Yochanan the Midrash of Adarash. Rabbi Yochanan went out to the base Medrash and he darshaned. And he said, I'll say so beautifully. Va'osi yom yom yidrushun. V'da'az d'rachayyech ha'fatsun. So, Moravir quotes the Pasuk. From Mishael. So we'll say, now listen, listen to the Pasuk over here. Literally it means, and me, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Yom Yom Yidrushun. They will seek me out day by day. So it says, the Gimara, Bechi Bayom Darshan Oso, Balayla In Darshan Oso. Do we only seek out HaKadosh Baruch Hu by day and not at night? El Alomar Lacharadir teaches us, Kala Usik Batora Afilo Yom Echad Bashana, Ma'ala Alava Kosov Kilo Asak Kala Shana Kula. We'll say that if I go ahead, it's so beautiful. If a person is osik Torah, person engages in Torah even for one day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu treats it as if he has learned Torah the entire year. Then I will say, sometimes a person puts in effort for one day, for one day. We'll say this is part of the general motif in Chazal, of Yeshkona Olama B'Sha'achos. Sometimes you could infuse meaning into your entire life in one day. In one day, I will say, I'll just mention this now because it's Purim Cotton today, right? It's, the, it's, it's your Dalit Adar Aleph today. So there's an, there's an element, there's an element of, of, of Purim on Purim Cotton. Also, I'll just mention just by way of passing in one of the most traumatic episodes in the Megillah. So Mordechai says to Esther, remember again when they hear about the decree of Achashverosh. So Mordechai says to Esther that she has to go to the king and lobby the king on behalf of the Jewish people. And Esther effectively says no. Now see, she doesn't say no straight out. Like a lot of times, ask people for something, they don't say no, right? They'll just, they'll just tell you why it's impossible. So it's like, it's like saying, same thing as saying no. So she says, she, says to, she says to Mordechai, I can't go to the king. I haven't been invited to the king. You go to the king without an invitation. It's mamish, a death sentence. And Mordechai says, you know what? If you don't go, if you don't go, right? If you don't go and advocate for the people, it's okay. Salvation will come from somewhere else. But then he says, I'm sorry, You and your father's house will be lost forever. And who knows, maybe this is the moment that you became queen. And there's a beautiful, beautiful Malbim on the Pasik. And the Malbim says so beautifully the following episode. He says, What does it mean? There's sometimes Chalash Baruch who puts a person on this world, just in this world, just to accomplish one thing in one moment. That's all. Sometimes all of life just comes down to one moment. And maybe it's a couple of moments throughout life. And it's that one moment that endows your entire life with meaning. But the danger is if you miss your moment, you run the risk of denying meaning to your entire life. And sometimes, says the Malbim, HaKadosh Baruch who brings about multiple generations just to bring about one person, to do one thing in one moment. And if you miss your moment, not only do you deny meaning to your life, but you potentially deny meaning to the lives of all those who came before you. That's why Mordechai says to Esther, if you don't act now, perhaps, you and your father's home will be lost. I mean, you and your father's home will be lost. Because Esther, maybe the only reason your parents existed and your grandparents existed and your great-grandparents existed was so they could have you, so that you could be in the palace, for this one moment. And if you don't act, you potentially deny meaning to your life and to all those who came before you. So Rabbi Yochanan was dashing over here, a very similar drasha, that sometimes again, Osi Yom Yom Yedrushim. Sometimes Rabbi Yochanan, a person does the right thing one day, one time, one moment, and suddenly again, it gives meaning to one's entire life. Such an incredible yisod. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's just about the short game. Sometimes it's not the long game, right? Sometimes it's just about finding that moment and making a difference in a dramatic way. So Rabbi Yochanan was saying this, remember again, in order to give chizik to Rav Idi, because here Rav Idi is traveling all of this time, three months there, three months back to spend one day in yeshiva. So beautiful. paranos. But the opposite is also true. So by the Meraglim, did the Meraglim sin for 40 years? They only sin for 40 days, right? Their entire journey was 40 days. But to teach us, 
that sometimes you sin for one day. Sometimes an Avera could be so severe that one day of sin is the equivalent to what? A year of sin. A year of sin. Every year, every day that the Maragalim sinned ultimately translated into a year of punishment for Klalisa. So I will say, let's focus on the positive. You see something amazing. You have to ask, why did Rav Edi travel all that time? Three months there, three months back. I will say, so ultimately, again, just there's got to be a closer yeshiva. Got to be a closer yeshiva. So I will say, this also ties into the idea that sometimes a person finds a Rebbe, person finds a yeshiva, person finds a Shia. You know, you can't always spiritually succeed in every single atmosphere. Sometimes a person has to find the place, find the spot where they're going to succeed. And even if it's a little less convenient, that's where you go. That's where you go. It also tells us to say that sometimes, again, spiritual success really requires a certain sense of amelos. That I have to, if I find, sometimes the recipe for success, for my personal success, is not easy. The recipe for my personal success requires an incredible amount of inconvenience. You see, today, everything is about convenience, right? It's all about how could I make things the most convenient. Now, th- there's a beauty in that also. There is a beauty in that. But sometimes in order to be successful, it, the road to success is incredibly inconvenient. So if Edie felt the place where he needed to learn was by wrath, did that come with an incredible amount of, of inconvenience? Absolutely. Three months there, three months back, one day in yeshiva. But that was the recipe that he felt he needed for his success. Inconvenience is often the prerequisite for spiritual success. And I both say, by the way, did it work? Did it work? Yeah, he became Ravidi, right? They both say he's quoted all over Shas. So obviously, so obviously, whatever, whatever he did, whatever he did was the right recipe for success. The easy road is not necessarily the path to success. Sometimes the path to success is paved with an incredibly long and arduous journey. Incredible Gimara. So let's get back to a little bit of the halacha. Ezu Katan. So let's remember again we had a machlokis in the Mishnah. Machlokis in Shabeshan Beisilel about a Katan who is Chayiv in coming up to, or coming up to, well, the Lashon over here was as follows. The Lashon was Ezu Katan. Remember again, because the Mishnah said everybody is Chayiv in Olas Re'iyah, except for a Katan, or everyone is Chayiv in Re'iyah. I should say, not Olas Re'iyah, the mitzvah of Re'iyah, of coming to the Beis Hamikdash, except a Katan. So remember again, we had a machlokis as to what type of cotton was exempt. Machlokis Hesham and Beisilos. Remember again, Beisham I said, any child who's unable to ride on his father's shoulders. Beisilos said, any child who's unable to hold his father's hand. So it says, the Gemara Ezu cotton Shein Kol Shein Yochal Lirkav Aksefo Shal Aviv. So again, Gemara quotes the Mishnah from Beishamai. If a child is so little that he can't sit on his father's shoulders, he is not chayiv in Re'iyah. And I will say, I just want to point out over here, Re'iyah means coming up to the base Hamikdash. Up until now, Re'iyah has often meant Olas Re'iyah. Here it means actually coming to the base Hamikdash. So i for Rabbi Zeira. So let's listen to this. Rabbi Zeira says, one second, Ad haqa man asye. But one second, we're talking over here about the obligation to come to the base Hamikdash. Right? So Rabbi said, in order to come to the base Hamikdash, you have to first what? Arrive in Yerushalayim. So how did he get to Yerushalayim? Right? In other words, we're talking about coming from Yerushalayim to the Harabayas. That, that's the mitzvah of, of Re'iyah. So how did he get to Yerushalayim? So if the kid got to Yerushalayim, how did he get to Yerushalayim? I see say, I see so listen to this. So the Gemara says, no, no, here's the difference. His mother was obligated to come to Yerushalayim. So it's actually quite fascinating. You see, remember again, the Mishnah said that a woman is potter, a woman is potter, ultimately from Re'iyah. So a woman is not obligated to come to the Harabayis on the Regalim. But she is chayiv to come to Yerushalayim. Why is she chayiv to come to Yerushalayim? We'll also listen to this. Rashi, in the chayiv b'simcha, lalos l'regav l'smoach b'chag in baila. A woman is obligated to come to Yerushalayim to celebrate with her husband on the Yom Tiv. Dala simcha nitztavu nashim dechsev v'samachta ata uveisecha. So I will say, this is incredible. A woman is obligated to come to Yerushalayim 
for the regalim. Why? Because the mitzvah of simcha demands that the family be intact. So the family, right, so the husband has to be in Yerushalayim because he has to bring his karbanos to the Beis HaMikdash. She has to be in Yerushalayim for Yom Tiv. So his wife has to be with him. She has to come also to Yerushalayim because there is a mitzvah of simcha. So Rabbi said, this is fascinating. So what the Gemara is saying is like this. The family is coming to Yerushalayim because every intact family has to be in Yerushalayim. The husband has an obligation now to do what? What's the next step? To do what? To go to the Beis HaMikdash. What we call the actual Aliyah L'Regel. He has an obligation, or what we call Re'iyah. He has an obligation, again, Rashi quotes the Pasuk. Rashi quotes the Pasuk. Kol Zechurcha. Right? Shalosh Pamim Bashana Yeira'a Kol Zechurcha Es Peneha Adon Hashem. That's the mitzvah of Re'iyah. To actually go to the Beis HaMikdash. So now... The family, including the wife, has an obligation to go out and come to Yerushalayim. The husband has an additional obligation of Re'iyah. So what about the kids? What about, right? what about, what about his son? Oh, so now it depends. So this is Machol Gizosham Beis Hillel. So ultimately, again, Beis Hillel will say, if Halach HaLamaysa, the son, is old enough that he can hold his father's hand and now walk up to the Beis HaMikdash, he's obligated in Re'iyah as well. If the son is so little that he can't hold his father's hand, according to Beis Hillel, right, then Halach HaLamaysa is not obligated to ascend with his father. Incredible, incredible. So the Imran says, Hey, Shiv, Rebbe Tachas Beis Hillel, Debre Beis Shammai. So Rebbe, kind of speaking on behalf of Beis Hillel, tried to go ahead and answer up, which means refute Beishamah. So we'll say, see what's happening? So again, so now we'll say, so now this body totally opens a brand new dimension. So suddenly again, the mitzvah of simcha demands that the family be intact for Yom Tiv. Well, if the family is going to be intact, where do they have to be? Where do they have to be? Yerushalayim. Father, father, other male members, adult male members of the family have an obligation to do, to, of, of re'iyah, go up to the Beis HaMikdash. And now the Shaila is, does the minor son have an obligation to go up? So Beis Hillel will say, yeah, as long as he's old enough to hold his father's hand and walk up to the Beis HaMikdash, he does so. If not, he does not have an obligation. So now Rebbe comes along and tries to review Beis Shammai. I will say, beautiful Gemara. V'chana lo alsa ki amra li'isha. Ki amra li'isha adi gamel hanar. Vavi Osef, Vavi Osef, so let's listen to this. So the Pasuk over here quotes, Pasuk over here quotes, uh, Chana did not go up to the Mishkan. Chana didn't go up to the Mishkan. So I remember again, this is after, this is after actually, so last night I was by a chuppah last night, Dr. Lussman was with me. So I never heard this before, they sang, uh, this, they sang Tfilas Chana, actually before, before the chuppah. Before the Chabbos, Simcha Liner, sang right, right before I was Mamish, Alat Libi. I think it's a Shalshala song. So just reminding you of Chana, such a beautiful way to set the tone for a, for a Chuppah. So anyway, Chana la also ki amra isha. So Chana did not go up, right? Chana did not go up to the Mishkan. Right, this is after, this is after she went ahead and she had Shmuel. So she didn't go up. Ki amra isha adiga melhanar. I'm not going to go until the child is weaned. So remember again, biblically, they would win a child at three years old. So she said, Shmuel's too little. I'm not going to take him up. Shmuel was already old enough that what? He could have sat on his father's shoulders. So remember, we'll say, this, this is Rebbe trying to refute the position of Beishamai. Because remember again, what did Beishamai say? Beishamai said that once a child is old enough, that he could sit on his father's shoulders, he's obligated to go to Yerushalayim. So, or I should say, I have to be careful with my term. Obligated to do what? To go to the base Hamikdash, right? So you see over here that Hannah kept baby Shmuel home, right? Even though he was old enough to sit on his father's shoulders, ultimately again, he does. she did not go, or he did not go. The baby didn't, the young boy did not go. So this is a clear refutation to the position of Beishamai. So Amrlei, so Amrlei Avu as far said. So Amrlei, so actually Mishrash has changed that Baye. Baye says back to Motamech, Tikshi lecha, Chana Gufa Milo Mechayva Besimcha. But ask a different Shaila. Is wasn't Chana herself obligated to go? Right now, Merabos say they're going to Shiloh. Right, there's no basic English. Now there's a Mishkan. They're going to Shiloh, but forget about baby Shmuel. Wasn't Chana herself obligated to go to Shiloh? Alts Simcha Elachana. 
Mifankusa Yiserasa Chazia Baby Shmuel. So we'll say Chana saw that her baby was very sensitive. She saw that Shmuel was a bit of a mifunak, right? She was concerned that ultimately, again, the, the journey would take its toll on Shmuel. So, this, so therefore, the essentially what the Gemara says is, you can't bring a ride from this case. It's a different kind of case. Could be that Shmuel, she saw, just was a little bit, uh, a little bit more sensitive. Okay? So, boy, Rabbi Shimon, let's listen to this interesting case. What happens if you have a child who's a chiger, who's crippled, and therefore, again, cannot walk on his own, or a child who is blind? According to Vesham Beishilel, Mahu, is there such an obligation for such a child to accompany his, fa- his father going up to the Beis HaMikdash? So, Echidami, well, what's the case? Say for talking about a child who's crippled, and the nature of his condition is that he's not going to be healed, or he's blind, and the nature of the condition is that he's not going to regain sight. They both say in such a situation, if you had an adult with this situation, the adult would be potter. Right? We saw this before in the Gemara. We saw in the Mishnah, an adult who's blind, or an adult who's crippled, is not obligated in the mitzvah of re'iyah. So if an adult wouldn't be obligated, then what? Then what? Allah has come of a kama child wouldn't be obligated. What are we talking about over here? We're talking about, again, someone who is crippled. A child who is crippled but can be healed. Or ultimately, again, a child who has lost his sight but will regain that sight. So my, so the Shaila is now the child in their current compromised state. Knowing that their condition is going to improve, does this child have an obligation to go with his father for re'iyah? So Amr Abayi says, very simple, any situation where a ch- an adult would be chayiv da'araisa, a child would be chayiv ultimately again al-tzchinuch, midrabanon. But any situation where halach alamaisa, a gadol is pater midaraisa, there is no mitzvah chinuch. Remember again, the entire obligation for a father to bring up his son for, for re'iyah is a din in chinuch. We'll say, what is a din in chinuch? It's very important. Chinuch means I'm training my child in mitzvos. So essentially the Gemara says, when is there an obligation in chinuch? When ultimately, again, an adult in the same situation would be chayiv. So we'll say, what happens if a person has temporary blindness? Are they chayiv in re'iyah? Is an adult chayiv in re'iyah? No. What happens if an adult is, is temporarily crippled? Is there a din in re'iyah? No. Now we'll say, even though Amir is going to have a complete refosh thing, we look at what is now. We look at what is now. And there is no din of aliyah l'rego, temporary blindness or temporary impairment. And therefore, again, under these circumstances, the katan would not be obligated to accompany his father as well. Good. So we'll say, so that, that's the machokis with Shammai and Basilo. It happens to be, we saw already in the Mishnah, that the Rambam Paskins like Basilo. And therefore, I will say again, at the age that a child is old enough, that he could hold his father's hand, meaning that he could walk, he could hold his father's hand, he's obligated to accompany his father, in, he's, I should say differently, he's not obligated in anything. His father is obligated to bring him on for the mitzvah of Re'iyah to the Beis HaMikdash. But it's only once the child is old enough that he could hold his father's hand and walk. Why is, why, what's the nature of the child's obligation? The child has no obligation. It's the father's obligation in Chinuch, in educating his child. And he's obligated, therefore, to bring him up to the Beis HaMikdash. Beautiful. So we'll say the next Machol Gizhashem is in the Mishnah was about the value of Kabbalah. So also remember, again, we had this in the Mishnah. So there are two Kabbalahs that you're bringing up. There are really three Kabbalahs, but they're arguing on two Kabbalahs. Namely, again, what are they arguing about? They will say there is the Olas Re'iyah and Shalmei Chagiga. Right? So the Olas Re'iyah is an Ola. Right? Again, an Ola is a carbon that is totally burnt on the Mizbeach. And then there are the Shalmei Chagiga. So these are both yomtiv offerings. So Machlokis Beishamei is still about the value of both of them. So here we go. So Beishamei or Beishamei says, Hari'iyah Shtei Kesef. So both say, Beishamei says, the Olas Re'iyah, the Olas Re'iyah is two silver pieces and the Chagiga is one and Beishamei says the opposite. Beishamei says the Ola is one, the Chagiga is two. So let's analyze. Ten Rabbanon, Beishamei Omrim, 
So Beishamai says that the Ola, the Ola's Ria is two silver pieces and the Chagiga is one. Why? Shari'ya, Shari'ya Ola, Kula Lagava, Masha'en Kim Bechagiga. So again, I will say, Beishamai says that the Ola's Ria is more important. Why is it more important? Because it's totally given up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Masha'en Kim, again, the Shami Chagiga, that's a shlamim. It's eaten by everyone. Vomatzinu. Furthermore, we've seen vomatzinu ba'atzeres sheri ba'bahena kasov ba'olos yosim shlamim. Furthermore, we see by shvuis the Torah demands that we offer up more olos than shlamim. So from here, you see that a ola is more important than a shlamim. So because so he's giving seems he's giving two reasons. Number one, an ola is an ola. It's fully given over to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, so that endows it with more chashivos. Number two, by Shavuos, we see that there are more Olos than Shlomim. So therefore, again, Beis Shammai says the Ola carbon should be worth more money. Two silver pieces, that's a minimum. Whereas ultimately, again, the Shlomim is only worth one silver piece. Beis Shammai and Beis argue, they say no. Hari'iyama, Kesef Echagiga, Shei Kesef. Beis argue, they say no. The Ola Asriya is worth one silver piece and the Chagiga is two. So they put more value on the Chagiga. Why? Shechagiga yeshna lifnei hadibor. Oh, very interesting. Because you're both saying there was a carbon Chagiga even before Matan Torah. The first time a carbon Chagiga, carbon Chagiga predates an Ola Asriya. Carbon Chagiga was offered up before Matan Torah. Both said, where was carbon Chagiga offered up before Matan Torah? Look at Rashi almost right across. They offered up carbon Shlom by Har Sinai. Where? So I said, the Pasik says, They sent the lads of the Jewish people. They offered up Shlomim. I also they offered up all those. We'll get time in just a moment. They offered up Shlomim. They offered up Shlomim. So Bosei Beisilel says, "What do you see from here? You see that and now Bosei now Beisilel Beisilel now Rashi just points out by the way, even though this pasuk is in Parshas Mishpatim, it actually occurred before Matan Torah. These covenants were offered up at the base of Har Sinai before Matan Torah itself. So Beishamai therefore says, "What do you see from here?" Beishamai says, "These Shlomim were Shami Chagiga." They were Shami Chagiga. So you see, Shami Chagiga were offered up even before Matan Torah. That's how important they are. Furthermore, again, Masha'enkim Bere'iyah, Olas Rio was only offered up after Matan Torah. Va'od, furthermore, Matsinu Benesim, Shariba Bahaina Kasab Shlan Yosimi Ba'ola. Furthermore, I will say, by the Nesim, when the Nesim offered up their Karbonos by what? By the Chanukah Samizbeach, by the dedication of the Mizbeach, the Nesim offered up more Shlamim. Than Olos. Therefore, you see from here, Basilos says, What? Shlomim are more important than Olos. So his, he has a two pronged argument. Number one, Shlomim were offered up even before Matan Zorah. Number two, the Nesim, by their dedication of the, of, of the, of the Mizbeach, offered up more Shlomim than Olos. Therefore, Basilos holds that the Shami Chagiga are worth two silver pieces, the Old Asriya worth one. I will say a raging machlokis. Here we go. Ubeisila, my time alone, Riki Beishamai. So Beisila, why don't you go like Beishamai? Here we go. Dika Amrit Riyadifa. Riyadifa. The Olukula Gava. Because remember, we're going to say, what was at the core of Beishamai's argument? Beishamai says, of course, the Old Asriya has to be offered up, offer, has to be worth more money. Why? Because the Ola is more Kadosh. Why is the Ola more Kadosh? Because it's Kula Hashem. Totally given to God. So Basila Basila will say, Adraba, Chagiga Adifa. I could argue just the opposite. Chagiga is holier. Why? Ultimately, again, Ta'ola Kula Lagava. So I'm sorry, Chagiga Adifa, the Isbe Shte Achilos. So I'll say, this is incredible. Basil will say just the opposite. Uh, Shlomim. Shlomim is going to be even more, right? The Shlomim is even more Kaddish. Why? Because everyone gets to partake of the shlamim, right? Isn't it greater when you have a carbon that everybody gets to partake of? It's not just shte achilos either. It's really shalosh achilos. Because by the shlamim, part of it goes in the mizbeach, part of it goes to the kohanim, and part of it goes to the owner. Mamish, it's a klal experience. Vidika amrit neilif me'atzeres. Furthermore, again, and you want to learn out that there are more olos by, by shavuos, I would say, I could counter that, done in carbon yachid, me carbon yachid, vein done in carbon yachid, me carbon sibor. Ultimately, again, the olos of Shavuos are communal offerings. We're, we're talking about over here, what? Individual offerings. So it makes sense to learn out individual offerings 
from individual offerings, like Shami Chagiga from the Shlomim of the Nesim, and not to learn out from the Karbanos of Shavuos, which were communal offerings. Why doesn't Beis Shammai hold like Beis Hillel? Because remember again, Beis Hillel said that Shlomim are more chashav. Why? Because they were around even before Matan Torah. So Beis Shammai will say, I will tell you, Nami Yeshna Hadibor. So ultimately, again, Beis Shammai will say, Beis Hillel, come on. In that same Pasek, they don't just offer up Shlomim by Harsinai. What else do they offer up? Olos. Olos. So ultimately, again, Olas Sri'iyah was offered. We'll say, and I just want to point out, they're calling these Karbanos, Olas Sri'iyah, Shami Chagiga. Remember, the Karbanos of, of Harsinai were not done in Yamtiv. So why are they calling it Olas Sri'iyah, Shami Chagiga? Because we'll say, think about this just a moment. What's the whole dynamic of Yamtiv? The whole dynamic of Yom Tev is you're going with Hashem. You're going to see God. What happened at Har Sinai? What happened at Har Sinai? They saw God. So as such, again, they're saying the Karbanos of, of Matan Torah of Har Sinai are the same type of Karbanos ultimately that you would have on a regal. The Dika'amrit Nelef Menesim. I and Beis Shamel said to Beis Hill, you want to learn it out from the Karbanos of the Nesim. I don't buy that either. I'll tell you why. So he says... You can't learn anything from the Nesim. Why, Abosai? Because the Nesim was an episodic event. Right? It's, you, you can't learn out. You can't learn out generational halacha from episodic events. So therefore, again, what happened with the Nesim was a once-in-a-history thing. So it doesn't make sense to learn out that which we do every Yom from an episodic event. Basilel, Basil will say, Ultimately, again, why is Chagiga unique? In that, again, it occurred even before the Torah. Right? It occurred in Har Sinai. So watch this. So the Gemara says, What about what that would be? Shammai said, But apparently there was an Ola Surya before Har Sinai as well. So we'll say, watch this. Wow, it just gets more exciting. So Basilel says, No, no, Basham, you're misunderstanding. That Ola they offered up at Har Sinai. That Ola was not an Ola Sariya. What was that Ola? That was the carbon tummit. That was the carbon tummit. Wow. Obey Shammai Sari, Ola Shekrivi Yisrabamibar, Ola Sariya Habe. So we'll say, Sinel, there's even a machlokis. We'll say, Sinel, listen to this. Everyone's agreeing the Shlomim they offered up at Har Sinai, which took place before Matan Torah, was like Shami Chagiga. What's the Ola they offered up? Be Shammai says the Ola they offered up, that was like an Ola Sariya. Basil says, no, the Ola they offered up, that was what? The carbon tamid. Wow. Amr Abaye, Beishamai, Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shmuel, Kulo Svirlo, Shabbat says this, Beishamai, Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shmuel, all of them agree, Ola Shekrivi Yisrael Medbar, Ola Sri'iyah Havi. They all agree that the Ola they offered up at Harsinai wasn't Ola Sri'iyah. Ubeis Hillel, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Yosef, Kulo Svirlo, Ola Shekrivi Yisrael Medbar, Ola Stamid Havi. And I will say on the other hand, Basilel, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Yosi Aglili, they all hold that the Ola that was offered up was a carbon tamid. So watch this. Basham, I will say, now let's go through all the shitas. So Basham, I had the Amr. So Basham already said, Rabbi Shmuel, I will say, where do we see that Rabbi Shmuel holds that the Ola that was offered up at Harsinai was an Ola Asriya? Here we go. So the Gemara says, this Sanyo, Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel says, Klalos Ne'emru B'Sinai. The Bible says, this is an incredible Gemara. I'll say in general, this is something fascinating. Before you turn the page, we're going to look at Rashi, last Rashi in the Daf. So Rabbi Shmuel says like this, Klalos Ne'emru B'Sinai, which means general halachas were sit at Har Sinai. But say, look at Rashi, before you turn the page, Harbei Dvarim Ne'emru Stamim B'Sinai, Shalom Isparshu Kol Tzarchan. The Bible says, there were many halachas that were set at Har Sinai they were kind of said in a general fashion. Shalom is partial because we're not fully explained. Upir shalom la'achas shukam amishkan ba'amoid. Shalom is partial sham halachos avodas kechalatzarach. So we'll say Sinai. Let's go back to the Gemara. So close them Rabbi Sinai amud beis upratos biohal moid. So we'll say this is really fascinating. And Rabbi Shmuel's mother will say at Matan Torah, what were we given? 
and Matan Torah were given a general body of law. But that body of law was not really fully explained. Where was it explained? Is was explained in the oil mode. In other words, once the Mishkan, Rashi says, once the Mishkan was erected, HaKadosh Baruch Hu explained to Moshe the rest of the Torah there. So I'm going to say really fascinating. This is Rabbi Shmuel's model. Klalos, right? General principles given over at, at Harsinai. Protos, specific halachas, or explanation of the general rules was done in the Mishkan. I will say, by the way, and that wasn't a one-time event, over the course of 40 years in the desert, HaKadosh Baruch Hu explains Torah to Moshe Rabbeinu, and Moshe subsequently to the Kaiser Rabbi Akiva says, no, Rabbi Akiva disagrees. He says, Klalos, who protos nemru b'sinai, Wow. Rabbi Akiva says, no. Gans Torah. Klavos and Protos. General rules and specific details. Everything was given at Har Sinai. Then it was reviewed in the Mishkan. And then it was reviewed a third time at Arvus Moav. Well, so it's Arvus Moav, Sefer Dvarim. Right, right by the Transjordanian lands. Incredible, incredible, Rabosai. So therefore, again, so I'll say, brother, you hear this? This, brother, is a fundamental machlokas in Jewish history. Fundamental machlokas. Rabbi Shmuel saying only klalos were given, by the way, klalos with a chaf, not with a kuf. Right, right? General principles given at Harsinai, specific details given over the course of 40 years in the Omor. Rabbi Kiba says, no, everything given at Harsinai, klalos, and Pratos, everything given at Sinai, reviewed in the Ohel Moed, reviewed a third time at Arvosmo, the Transjordanian lands, right before we enter into Eretz Yisrael. Now, I'm going to say, watch this. So, I'm going say, they say now, watch, Rabbi Shmuel says, if you think that the Ola they offered up at Har Sinai was the carbon Tamid, Watch this. This is incredibly fascinating. You see, at Har Sinai, at Har Sinai, the Ola that they offered up did not have Hefshit and Nituach. Hefshit means skinning. Nituach means cutting up into pieces, dismembering. The Ola at Har Sinai did not have Hefshit Vinituach. But yet the carbon Tamid must have Hefshit Vinituach. Shabbi Shmuel says, How can you possibly say, how can you possibly say that the carbon tamid that they offered up at, at Har Sinai was the carbon tamid when this Ola did not require Havshet Vinituach? This is their Raya. This is their Raya. Say, Rabosa, again, we're just building up the school of thought. And therefore, again, it must have been what? It must have been what? It must have been an Ola Sriya. So, also, we're building up the school of thought, the camp of Beishamai. Rebbe Lazar, what does Rebbe Lazar say? Rebbe Lazar also discussed the same idea. This Sanya, Olas Tamid Hasuya Bahar Sinai. Literally, again, the Olas Tamid that was done at Har Sinai. Rebbe Lazar Omer, Maaseha Neemru Sinai. Its details were said over at Har Sinai. Vihi Asma Lokerva. But this carbon Tamid itself was not offered up at Sinai. Why? Because the Ola offered up at Sinai was not an Olas Tamid, but rather was what? In Olasriya, Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva says, Karva the Shuv lo Paska. Rabbi Akiva, on the other hand, says, no, it was offered. It was offered, but Allah, and, and ultimately, again, once it was offered, it was never stopped being offered. But what do you do with the Pasuk that says, in Amos, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives most of the Klalites around, he says, did you offer me up a mincha, excuse me, karbonos and a mincha in the desert, which sounds like Klal Yisrael didn't offer up karbonos in the desert. We both say, this is incredible. So the Gemara says, Shvato shalevi shalo avru shalo avdu avoduzara henekriva osa. We both according to this approach, listen to this. After the Chita Ego, the Jewish people did not offer up the carbon Tamid, but rather the carbon Tamid was only offered up by Shevet Levi. This is very unique. Why is it unique? Because the Tamid is supposed to be what? A carbon seabor. A carbon seabor, everyone. So apparently it's Quentin Rabbi Akiva in the aftermath of the Chaita Egel. So the Klal, the Klal did not offer it up. It was only offered it up by Shevet Levi. So we'll say, so now, we'll say, so that's the first school of thought. So the first school of thought is Beishamai. Beishamai and, and, and his followers who hold that Halokha Lemaisa the Ola offered up by Harsinai 
was, was not the carbon tamid, but instead was the olas re'iyah. Now the second school of thought, Basilal. So what was I now we have Basilal. Basilal holds that, no, he holds that the Ola that was offered up at Harsinai was the carbon tamid. So we already spoke about the sheet of Basilal. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Akiva, Nami, Hanami da Amra. So what's Rabbi Akiva just quoted before? Also holds that way. Rabbi Yosekalili, what Rabbi Yosekalili say? This sign, Rabbi Yosekalili, Omer, Rabbi is beautiful. Shalosh mitzvah, Nistavi, Yisrael, Ba'alos, Sam, Le'regel. So we'll say there are three mitzvahs. Three mitzvahs that a Jew has when he's all a regal. Three mitzvahs. We'll say, what are the three mitzvahs? Re'iyah, Chagiga, and Simcha. That I will say, what this actually means is there are three karbanos you bring when you're all a regal. So we'll say, so just interesting, so just keep in mind all the mitzvahs. Because we'll a lot of times we use the same names for different things. Right? So there's the mitzvah of Simcha, the mitzvah of, right? Or I should say, there's the mitzvah of Aliyah regal. The mitzvah of Aliyah regal demands that you go where? Where? Tiru Shalayim. Then there's mitzvah of Re'iyah. We call Re'iyah. Re'iyah is the obligation that has come upon males to come up to the Harabayas. Now, once you're on the Harabayas, you have an obligation to bring three Karbanos. Now, it's really two Karbanos, but become three. What are the three Karbanos? So again, they are Re'iyah. Re'iyah means what? Olas Re'iyah. This is all you're obligated to bring. Simcha, which is a Shlamim. And I will say, the last thing, the last thing is, excuse me, Re'iyah Chagiga. Chagiga, carbon Chagiga is a Shlamim. And then the third carbon is Simcha. Now, we haven't spoken about that. Those are called Shlamim Simcha. Why do you bring Shlamim Simcha? Why do you bring Shlamim Simcha? For one reason. Why? Meat. Which means, by the way, if you don't need meat, let's say you have meat. Let's say you have meat from other places. You, we're going to see you don't have to bring Shlamim Simcha. Shami Simcha there to ensure that you have enough meat for Yamtiv. So therefore, I will say there are three mitzvahs. When you come up to when you come up to the base Hamikdash, there are three karbanos you bring: Riya, Olas Riya, Chagiga, Shami Chagiga, and Simcha Shami Simcha. Watch this. Yesh b'riya shem b'shtehen. There's there's an element by the olas riya that doesn't apply to the other two. Yesh b'chagiga shem b'shtehen. So to chagiga has unique aspects. Doesn't apply to the other two. Yesh b'simcha shem b'shtehen. And and shami simcha also have elements that are unique to it that don't apply to the other two. How so? Here we go. Yesh b'riya shem b'shtehen. So there's something that applies to the olas riya that doesn't apply to the other two. How so? Shariya ola kula legavah mashayim b'shtehen. So obviously the Olasriya is fundamentally different than the Chagiga and than the Shami Simcha. Why? Obviously, because the Re'iyah is what? An Ola, fully consumed in the and the other two are Shlamim. Yesh bechagiga mashein b'shteyen. Chagiga is different than the other two. In how? In how so? Shechagiga yeshna lifneha dibor. Ooh, mashein b'shteyen. Very interesting. So the Chagiga is different. Why is the Chagiga different? Because there was a carbon chagiga, there was shami chagiga, even before matan Torah, which I will say again is the same school of thought of Beis Hillel, that ultimately again the shlamim they offered up by Har Sinai before matan Torah was shami chagiga. So you see, shami chagiga were offered up even before matan Torah. Mashein came b'shner but there was no olas riyah and there was no shami simcha before matan Torah. Lastly, yesh b'simcha mashein b'shteyan. There's an element that applies to the Shami Simcha that doesn't apply to the other two. How so? Sha Simcha no Hages Ba'anashim Ubanashim Masha'in Bishteyam. But also listen to this. Shami Simcha, Shami Simcha are applicable to everyone. Right? But say, who has Shaykhas to Simcha? Shami Simcha? As long as you're obligated in what? Visamachta Bihagecha, which everyone is obligated in. Visamachta Bihagecha. So ultimately, you have a shaykhaz to shalmei simcha. So even women will be connected to shalmei simcha, whereas they're not necessarily connected to olas riyah, or chagiga. So I will say, Rabbi Shmuel, my time. So I will say, stay for good. Rabbi Shmuel, my time. I come up with like a beishamai. So why does Rabbi Shmuel go ahead and choose two hundred beishamai? Isagadaitcha olas shekrivi sabamid bar olas tamid habi. Because if you think. That ultimately, again, the Ola that they offered up by Har Sinai was the Ola's Tamid. Remember again, the, we saw this before. The problem with saying that the Ola of Har Sinai was a carbon Tamid is what? Carbon Tamid, we know Halach Alamais requires what? Hefshech Vinituach, skinning and dismembering. We know that the Ola at Har Sinai did not have Hefshech Vinituach. 
So how can you call that a carbon tamid? I v'harav Yosef Galili the Amr Ola Shikrivi Shalom Midbar Olas Tamid Havi Meikar Lo Ba'Hev Shemini Tuach So Ba'Hev Shemini Tuach So I will say I v'harav Yosef Galili Rabbi Yosei Levi, he did, and I will say, actually, we'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up with Rabbi Yosei. So I will say, this is going to be the burning question, ultimately, again, against saying that the Ola of Harsinai was in fact the, was in fact the Tamid, because it did not have Shibani Tuach. How we resolve that, in Mirat Hashem will see tomorrow. I will say, also, remember again, we're still in the middle of what? We're still in the middle of what? We're just trying to figure out what has what value. Machlok is Nishan Beis Shammai ascribes greater value to the Ola, lesser value to the Shami Chagiga. Beis Silo, just the opposite, greater value to the Shami Chagiga, lesser value to the Ola Sariya. Halach Lamaisim Yerz Hashem tomorrow. Shkoyach. Yeah.